I'm Matt Garrow-Fisher and this is the Burn From Within show. Each week I interview inspiring people who have changed their career or life to light up inside. So if you want to get excited about your Mondays, work on meaningful projects and have more time for the passions and people that matter to you, stay tuned. On this episode, I talk to Luke Mickelson. Luke has set up a truly inspirational non-profit called SHP, or Sleep in Heavenly Peace. He discovered that there were kids that weren't sleeping in beds in his local community, and something compelled him to do something about it. After internally struggling to find his purpose and passion, Luke gradually discovered that child bedlessness was actually an epidemic all around the world. So in 2012, he set up the non-profit Sleeping Heavenly Peace and has now trained over 200 chapter presidents across 46 US states and three countries on how to manage and run their own SHP chapter in their community, meaning that each year they help over 28,000 children in need receive their very own beds. In this interview, we discuss how Luke discovered his new purpose and passion and how you can do the same. How he made the decision to quit his six-figure salary career and opportunity to be a partner in a multi-million dollar company with a wife and kids to support and start his non-profit with no salary and why he was confident it was the right decision. And how shifting from focusing on yourself to serving and helping others can change your life bring you more opportunities and shine a light on a new career path for you. So if you want to discover your dream career and lead a life full of meaning and contribution, this episode will really, really inspire you. The full show notes and videos of other interviews are available at burnfromwithin.com forward slash interviews. So listen all the way through and enjoy. I'm fascinated by people who live purposeful lives. And one thing that really struck me is that you made quite a big sacrifice to start SHP. You had a six-figure salary. You're doing comfortably. You've got a family as well in Idaho. That's a big sacrifice. What compelled you to, first of all, start this whole thing? And, And I'll follow on from that in terms of sacrificing that career as well. I don't know about other people's pursuits or how they came about their passion and purpose, but uh, for me, it was totally unexpected. I was a mid-30s type guy, had a family, and was, I guess, your average Joe. I, I taught my kids and coached them in sports and had a career and went to, went to work every day and enjoyed communicating with people. And in, in my line of work, I was outside sales, so I enjoyed that part of it, but for a lot of years, I just knew that I wanted to contribute. I've always been one of those guys, I think that, hey, if I can help in any way, I'm going to do the best I can. I've always truly believed in service and felt that if you want true joy in life, you really need to stop looking at yourself and see how you can help other people. And I've always tried to implement that and teach my kids that. And so when an opportunity, or I should say a a situation was brought before me and wasn't even really directed at me. It was just a conversation we were having in a church group where 
I learned there was some a family in need and they needed food and help with their rent. And all of a sudden, they mentioned how the kids didn't have beds. And I don't know, Matt, something sparked inside of me. I could just see the what would life be like if my kids were sleeping on the floor and what what I would do in order to correct that, which is pretty much about anything. And I just felt such instant compassion and empathy for these families, these parents, who I could only assume felt the same way I did, just couldn't do anything about it. And I remember coming home that night from that meeting, and I told my wife, I said, I think I'm going to start a project. <laughs> and it's a little bit something about me. My wife just cringes when she hears that because I don't think of anything <laughs> else until that sucker's done. <laughs> it's, I, I went instantly downstairs to my daughter's bedroom and started measuring out her bunk bed. She had a bunk bed we had bought actually for my son 10 years before that. And I was measuring this bunk bed out and figuring it out and went upstairs and said, you know what, I'm going to build a bunk bed and I'm going to use my scout troop, these, you know, 12 to 16 year old, 17 year old boys. I thought, what a great opportunity for them to learn how to use tools and do all that. So we ended up building a bed for him and, and a bunk bed for this family. And the building part of it, the camaraderie, the seeing the kids be involved was such an awesome experience. I just loved it. And the satisfaction of sharing and teaching these boys some skills rather than having them play Xbox all day was just a good feeling. But when they went out and delivered it, I stayed home and cleaned my garage up. I missed out on that opportunity. So when they came back and told me about how awesome it was to see these kids and how excited they were and their parents, I felt cheated, man. I wanted to see the, the end result. And I, I just remember sitting on my couch about a week later and uh, my kids were complaining about the presents that they knew they weren't going to get because we had talked about it. It was Christmas time. And, and here I just had spent the week before dealing with a kid that, or a couple of kids rather, that didn't have beds, yet my kids were complaining about this. Just the, those worlds collided to me. And I just said, I, I stood up from the couch right then and thought went through my head, you know what, I've got leftover wood. I'm gonna A, teach my kids the value of service so they can appreciate that as well as appreciate what they have. And, and I'm gonna, I wanna have that same joy of seeing a child get a bed. And the fact that it only took us a couple of nights that week to build a bed, I thought to myself, what well, better use of my time? I'm sitting here on the couch watching Christmas shows, or I could be out in the garage and build a bunk bed for a couple of kids. So I walked right out to the, right out to the garage and my wife was making dinner. She looked at me funny. She says, where are you going? And I said, you know what? I'm just going to build another bed and I'm going to take the kids to help me. So we had a ball. We had a ball building that second bunk bed. But the unique thing was when we finished it, we didn't know what to do with it. I had heard of a family before and we, we fulfilled that need. But now I built this bunk bed not knowing what the need really was. I assumed that there was probably another family out there. But honestly, I didn't really care at that point. I was just more doing it for my own family. And so I posted it on Facebook that, hey, we just built this bed. And does anybody know of a family that has children sleeping on the floor or really uncomfortable situations? I'd like to you know, give this bed to them as a gift from, from my family as a Christmas project. And... The interesting thing was, Matt, I expected 
a bunch of people saying, hey, I'd like a free bed and all this jazz. I really didn't get that. I got actually more people wanting to help. Hey, let me bring some blankets and pillows and mattresses and food and clothing and stuff like that. Now, it was Christmas time, so I think people are in that kind of mood, but it was amazing. And the next thing I knew, I had all sorts of people that wanted to come help. I had all sorts of people that wanted to donate some stuff. And, uh, and then I had a friend that uh, called me and, and told me of this family. It really was a mom and a little girl that had just come out of homelessness. It's my, I call my Haley story. And Haley had been living in the backseat of her mom's car since she was born. She was six years old. And, and of course, they got this new house, new to them, I should say, and they didn't have anything. When we showed up to the house, the only thing in the house was a can of soup resting on a hot plate that was sitting on a milk carton. That was really the only thing in the house. My wow. friend and a couple of people that were trying to help her out, get them a kitchen table and maybe a TV or a, or a couch. But when I got there, there was nothing. So we went out, we went to a room because we had built a bed for her, but I wanted to see where this where she was living and where we were going to bring this bed. And man, I'll tell you what, I walked into this room and you can imagine it's a, it's a real low income housing. So there was holes on the floor and in the walls, but this little girl, you, you would have thought it was a palace to her. She had her bedroom. She'd never had one before. She had a roof over her head. But what shocked me the most was over in the corner was a pile of clothes, just this nest of clothes. And that's what she slept on. And the thought just came to me, you got to be kidding me. This is where this little girl is going to be sleeping for who, who knows how long. And I just, this wave of emotion and whatnot came over me. And then I looked at the mom and the mom was just sobbing when she saw us bring in not just the bed, but also bedding and mattresses. And she was just overwhelmed. And driving home that day from that experience, that's when the thought came to me. I said, you know what, for the few hours it took to build that bed, what better use of my time? And then the passion hit me that, you know what, no kid's going to sleep on the floor in my town if I have anything to do with it. And from there, we started building beds. Wow. That's truly inspirational. And uh, I, I interviewed someone else called Phil Evangelou, and he spent some time in Africa, actually. And... He was trying to figure out what to do with his life and he was working out his next career and he met these African kids, I think it was in Uganda, and he found some toys that he, he bought in a local market and the simple act of just giving some of the toys to the kids and seeing their faces light up, that moment changed him as a person and it, it, this, this feeling that he, he could control someone's joy, he could give not control, but give someone joy just with such small acts. It made him start his own charity and he runs an e-commerce business which employs people to make these toys. And it was the emotion that he felt as he saw the kids' faces. And in your case, you saw their families' faces as well. And you empathized with your own kids. You put yourself in the parents' shoes, in the kids' shoes, because you have your own family. So interesting that in a sense you're an empath you're very empathetic with people do you think that's what's driven you to to take such massive action no question when you see especially children and people have their own passions maybe it's dogs maybe it's the ocean whatever but whatever sparks you and for me seeing children 
have such a need and finding out that need is really not being satisfied by anyone. And then I knew how to do it. Like I figured out that A, that there was a problem and that I could solve that problem. Those combined along with just this intense intensity about thinking about my own kids in that situation. It was just a perfect storm and, and it just brewed up inside of me a passion which then turned into a purpose of life. If you'd have told me 10 years ago that my sole purpose of life was building beds for kids, I would have, I would have said, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> so it, but I would have thought that was pretty cool. But until you get involved, and really, Matt, it was, you were featured on a, a, a show called Returning the Favor with Mike Rowe. You may have seen it. And that was really a megaphone for us to announce what I was really hoping because we didn't start Sleep in Heavenly Peace to be this national charity. It really was, it was just going to be a Christmas project that me and a couple of family friends were going to do every year. It just got a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger. And then we, we decided we, we should be a nonprofit. That way people can actually donate it and we can stop trying to finance it all ourselves. And we did that. And from there, it just got bigger and bigger. But what I found out, Matt, was we had, there are people out there right now that are searching for a purpose, a passion that they can get behind. And they want to, they just don't know how. And I instantly thought of what Sleep in Heavenly Peace is such an easy avenue. It's an easy vehicle that people can, if they share the same passion for getting kids off the floor, that they can use to complete and be a part of that mission. And so that's all SHP turned into was a vehicle for others to have a passion. And when that Returning the Favor episode aired, we had about nine chapters at the time. We had grown pretty quickly over six months. And we brought those nine chapters into a meeting. And I remember our board of directors, Chairman Jordan Allen, he's my best friend for 30 plus years. He asked two questions, which I thought was really interesting. One was, why did you get involved with SHP. Tell us your story. And the other one was, what has it done for you personally? And that was because I hadn't thought of that before. I knew what it did for me. But at that point, I didn't realize that there were other people that shared and had just as strong, maybe even stronger desires and passions than, than I had maybe originally had. But to hear them say it saved their marriage, it saved their relationship with their kids, it's, they've done a lot of wow. service their entire life, and this has brought them more satisfaction and life fulfillment than anything they've ever done. I just sat back and go, you know what, this is far bigger, far greater than just one man's, one man's passion. This is truly a mission. It's a purpose that can be shared by anybody that's looking for for something bigger than themselves. And so obviously it's grown. Uh, SHP's grown hugely uh, over the last, since 20, 2012. And now you have, I was reading, you have, was it 200 chapters? Is that correct? We, we've trained 224 chapter presidents. Wow. And we, we just, we train chapters about every other, it was every other month. We've gone to once a quarter now. And because of Corona, we had to cancel our last training, which we had over 15 chapters coming to that. So our July chapter training, we anticipate to have over 30 chapters involved or new chapters coming on. 
and we've expanded to Canada, Bermuda, Bahamas, so four different countries. Wow. Hope, hoping to get down in Australia or New Zealand, and mm-hmm. we've had some interest down there. Germany is another big interest. So we're trying to work our way around because we know the need is just as it is in the States, probably even worse than sure. in a lot of these areas. Mm-hmm. There's a need for, for people to, to, ha- to receive help. But it seems as a, there's also a need on the other side of people to give and, and also to have a purpose and to share their passion for, for service. Where do you think people can go in the world if, if they don't have access to SHP? How can they find their purpose? How can they find passion? It's a great question, Matt. I'd like to say we all had a crystal ball that we could, we could rub and look into and it would tell us exactly what our purpose our sole purpose would be. For me, honestly, one driving force that helped me realize that I needed to make a change was sitting on that couch when this all started. I was actually going through a pretty big faith crisis. I had grown up in my church since I was a baby, had served a mission for my church in Texas for two years and was a very devout member. But over the course of 10 years or so, I just lost my faith and and at least lost the same passion that I once enjoyed and shared. And I think when people do that, and I know that's a big crisis right now, a lot of people are losing their faith, and maybe not just in some deity or God itself, but just losing their faith in a lot of things. For me, I just felt it poses a lot of questions. What's wrong with me? Why am I really a bad person that I felt like I've lost my faith? Has God forgotten me? And what did I do? You go into this self-blaming mode and, and it's such a foreign environment. We, I grew up knowing exactly being taught, knowing exactly where I was supposed to go after I die and what to believe and all this stuff. And when that gets taken away, you really are a wanderer in, into a lost field and you don't even know which direction to go and, and you feel like you've been forgotten and, and being forgotten. I felt I was, <laughs> lack of a better term, I was being led by the devil, losing my faith. And, and, and I just, I tell my wife, I'm like, I don't feel like a bad guy. I don't feel like I deserve or have done anything that deserves to lose my faith. And I was just tired of trying to guess what was right or wrong. And so when Sleep in Heavenly Peace, or I should say when this opportunity came about to build beds for kids, I specifically remember telling myself, you know what, despite what religion, despite what you believe or don't believe, there's no one on this planet that can tell me building a bed for a child is the wrong thing to do. And so I clung on to that and hung to that as tight as I could, knowing, okay, despite what other people might think or what I think of myself when it comes to faith, I at least know that building beds for kids is a good thing. And so that's what I'm going to do. And I think people, and I think people find the same, I I, I guess I should only, I'd only assume that people find themselves in the same circumstance, whether they have lost their faith religiously or lost their faith in humanity or just feel really absolutely alone. I think rather than turning to, negativity, whether it's alcohol or drugs or depression or things of that nature. I think people, I know people would find their greater purpose and passion if they would turn their view and their focus away from themselves 
that that's what happened for me is the minute I was for years, Matt, I was doom and gloom and just I could feel myself just spiraling down into even depression and self-loathing. And but I always enjoyed helping other people. And that feeling of helping other people always resonated very strongly in me. So that's why I say, but if you really want true joy, mm-hmm. in my opinion and my experience. You need to stop looking at yourself and look how you can help other people. And I think when you look how you can help other people, I think that's when you're going to find your passion, whatever it may be. I had a actual mission president give me some really good advice. He said, no matter whatever your occupation is, whether you're flipping burgers, garbage man, a lawyer, a doctor, whatever your occupation is, always view it as helping someone rather than a, a job. And I love that because that fits in right with why I got involved or started SHP is because it's all about helping someone else, not focusing in on yourself. Because when you do that, Matt, like all these problems that I had and these worries and these headaches, even financially, I had a great job, but I made money. But every time you make more money, you spend more money, you get more debt. You you Mm -hmm. just, it's a spiral. Why? You have to ask yourself why? And I couldn't help but think it's all because I'm thinking about this guy yeah. and what's best for this guy. And as soon as I turn that away and you continue to have to do it, the minute I turn that away and thought, you know what, I'm going to forget this guy for a minute and I'm going to worry about that guy, which happens to be a child, man, the clouds cleared, the darkness vanished, and I didn't want to lose that feeling ever again. Yeah. Let's talk about the the sacrifice that you have made. Now, you walked away from, I think it was an 18-year career, six-figure salary. You'd built that up the, over the years. And I believe you've taken uh, another job alongside SHP. Is that right? Just to so, supplement some income. Correct, yeah. I started with a, actually a family-owned company working for in, in the water treatment industry outside sales. And I'd been there for 18 years. I started working out in the field and then they moved me into into the office as a marketing manager. I didn't know much about marketing, but we figured it out. (laughs) And then eventually became the vice president over sales and marketing for the entire company. And then we were, we had drawn up plans for me to be part owner. I was going to be a, a, a dual owner with another, with another guy. So I was heavily involved. Yeah, I was making a six-figure salary, which some people might think is not a great big salary, but for me, that was huge. It was enormous. I was happy with it. But the biggest sacrifice was more the fact that I, I was going to have to leave a career and a business opportunity of open of owning a you know multi-million dollar company. That was my retirement. Like I didn't have anything to worry about after that because I had this company I was going to own. Well circumstances came about where I had to make a choice whether I was going to quit SHP and focus all my efforts on my career or vice versa. And I'll tell you what, that was some trying times. It was, it was a choice that I wasn't ready to make, but was forced to make good or bad. I was forced to make. And so I had to go home to my wife and I sat down and told her, I said, look, the time has come that I'm being asked to decide which route I'm going to go. And I tell you what, my wife, without hesitation, said, I've never seen you more happy and more satisfied 
and my old Luke as when you build beds for kids. That's what you need to do. And we didn't, SHP didn't have financial support to be able to support me for a salary at all. So I knew I was going to have to find some other work. And luckily, I, one of my vendors that I'd worked with had a position open. And so I'd work for them and work for them. They were a huge blessing, the very service oriented company. They knew that my main passion was sleep in heavenly peace. And I was going to work for them as hard as I could while not sacrificing what I wanted to do with SHP. And they very gracious about that. And in fact, I worked for them for about two years and just recently quit in December because it was just, SHP is just too big for for me and I couldn't handle, uh, it wasn't fair to them all the time I was taken away from them. And, And very gracious, we had a great relationship, still do have a great relationship. So now I, SHP can actually financially support a, a salary for me. I get to, I get to live my dream. Incredible. And let's go back to that decision. You, you said it was a very tough decision to choose SHP over the career that you had. Yeah. The, the decision, Matt, was, I, I knew it involved more than just me. But, but you, was, have a, you have a family and mouths to feed, et cetera. Yeah. Well, how did you overcome that? I'll tell you what, you have to have a spouse that's going to follow you. I went home. And I basically told, I said, Heidi, I said, this decision, I can't make this decision by myself. It affects more than just me. And if Heidi hadn't been on board, I don't think I would have pursued it or I wouldn't have made the same decision. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't going to be fair to her or the kids. Yeah. And again, trying to focus away from myself, although I wanted to do it, wasn't, if it was going to affect someone else negatively, then I wasn't going to do it. But having that support from my family, my immediate family was great. And it came at a great sacrifice because being a family owned company, the other, some of the other sides of the family didn't like that decision very much. (laughs) And it it caused a big rift. Even to this day, it Mm -hmm. still has caused a major rift and we're, the water's running under the bridge, which is good. And it's getting better, but it's a tremendous sacrifice. And Mm -hmm one that wouldn't have happened without the support of my wife. That is a a huge sacrifice. What do you think was the the tipping point for you? Obviously, it was your wife that kind of validated it. But for you personally within, you made the decision ultimately. What was, aside from your wife, what was the thing that made you go, I'm going to do this and that's what I'm going to do? I, no, I get your question. I think it's a great one. I remember when we had our conversation, sitting in our, kneeling on our bed, we had our conversation about it. And I remember when she told me that when you're building beds, you're my old Luke, you're happy, you're who you used to be. The, the thought of the last five or six years of this struggle that I've been through, this spiraling down of depression and, and worry and self-loathing, all those thoughts came to me and it just, I just realized that, you know what? I don't, it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't matter, Matt, how much money you make. It doesn't matter how many cars you own or how many vacations you go on. I think people realize that unfortunately later in their years, but they measure success. And that's what struck me is how am I measuring my life's success? And for years, I've been measuring it based on the number of zeros behind my paycheck. Mm -hmm. And it didn't give me any joy. 
you know. And how do you measure it now? I measure it strictly on how many people I can help, how much difference I can make in this world. And it, and that it's so much more, it's so much more validating. It's so much more, I can't even think of the word, uh, satisfying when you know that, you know what, when I leave this world, we all hear the same verbiage or sayings, hey, you can't take with you things that you have when you die, and you can't take that nice car or that million dollars in the bank. But what you can take with you, or rather what you do leave, is your mark. And I certainly wanted to be known not for the, the millions of dollars or whatever I made, but however many people I was able to help. And so that's my measure of success. And it's so much more satisfying. One thing I've noticed with a lot of people that now lead purposeful lives is that they asked, they came to a breaking point in their life. They came to a kind of threshold where they thought, I've got to, something's got to change. In your case, you had moments of depression or, or sadness for whatever reason. And then you found an opportunity, a, a real purpose. And these moments, they, they made them think about that. Well, a lot of people ask the question, what would I regret if I was to die tomorrow? That yeah. was the key question that I, that I uncovered them asking themselves. Even worse, what would you regret dying 50 years from now? Mm, exactly. If you carried on the same path. Yep, exactly. I couldn't, and that, that was one, one big conversation Heidi and I had was, okay, let's say I stay in my career 50 years from now. What does that mean? What are my kids going to look at? And versus 50 years from now, building beds for kids. What can I look back at? We've all had the cars. We've all had the houses. We've all had the boats. But what does that really mean? Will I be satisfied with looking back at this huge successful career, um, making money, or looking back at the hundreds of thousands of children we will have helped and helping people. It's easy to look back now. Back then, we didn't know, but looking back now, I just, I cringe at the fact that I almost didn't choose that because we've built over 50,000 beds for kids. Wow, that is incredible. That yeah, really had, is incredible. We have 100,000 volunteers people wouldn't have happened or at least maybe not in the same time frame had we chose something different mm -hmm. and so knowing that there's two life paths and you chose one of them and and you don't regret it right oh no not at all wow and the beauty of it too matt is for me and i can only give you my example mm -hmm. by pursuing my passion i have had more opportunities come and be available to me than I'd ever imagined. Starting other nonprofit or other, I shouldn't say nonprofit, starting other small businesses has actually financially supported me more than my previous career. The people we've met, the, the, the experiences are far greater than had I just continued with my one job. And, and I don't think it's luck. I really think it's because when you follow a passion and when you follow a purpose, you're going to follow it to the bitter end. And that's what breeds success. Now, success is different for everybody, but that's what breeds success. And in my, and that's, that was basically the summation of my TED talk was follow your passions or, and if you don't know what that is, that's probably the trickiest part of 
trying to find what is your passion and your purpose, I recommend and tell everybody, you got to stop looking. If you look to help someone else, you're going to quickly find what you enjoy doing. And then when you follow that, your passion is going to talk to you. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. Let's talk a little bit about when you did make that decision to, to go fully into SHP. Where was the belief from that things would work out and that you weren't going to crumble financially or regret the decision or your family would go against you and be like, look, what have you done? Where did that belief, because you have to have that belief to, to get you through those hard times. So where did it come from? Well, in my case, I didn't have that safety blanket. You're, in some cases, you're literally sitting on the edge of a cliff wondering, okay, if I make this step, how far am I going to fall? It's a bit like the show Indiana Jones and the, the, the what is it, the last, the Holy Grail one, I can't remember. The, the, uh, the Last Crusade or something like that? Last um, Crusade, yeah, yeah, where, yeah. yeah, where he steps off and he lands on something. So that, yeah. that's kind of how, how I felt is I was like, I want to do this. How am I going to pay bills? I don't know. I just know you, that. You took a leap of faith. You really did. As much as I don't like to use that term, it it really is what it is. It's it's a leap hoping that these good choices will always turn out positive. And that I, I still believe that. I think good will always overcome. My mom always left the saying with me that cream always rises to the top. And if you're constantly looking to help someone else out, I, I, I think that these decisions as unknowing and scary and unassuring as they can seem, you can at least rest, or at least I rested my security and my faith on doing what was right and doing what I knew was satisfying in my own life, regardless of pay or money. And it's worked out. It's worked out. Yeah, I interviewed uh, someone else on this project, a guy called Barton Brent, and he completely changed his life when he had a motorcycle accident. He lost his wife. He was crippled. He had a very successful career, um, high six-figure salary, and he eventually worked his way in, through recovery and learned a lot of principles about Buddhism and, and read a lot of other religions as well. And, and one of the biggest principles he found that helped him in his mental recovery was to lead a life from good intentions. And you, if you can control that and have faith that good intentions will lead to good things, then that's something that you can plan, you can lead your life with and you can plan for, even if you don't know what's around the corner when you lead from good intentions. Even if, Matt, look, you know, if you make a decision and you had great intentions and it didn't work out, you know what? At least you can walk away going, hey, you know what? I meant I really tried. Versus... How many decisions do we make that we think are financially right and that make total sense and business savvy and they don't turn out? Then you feel stupid. You're like, ah, that didn't really work out and oh crap. You feel bad about yourself because you made the wrong decision. When you make a decision based on what you believe is right and fair, whether it worked out or not, you will always walk away satisfied that you made the right decision. I don't know how many times I, I fight... There are some crit critics out there for anybody saying that we enable people and financially you hurt your family and blah, blah, blah. You can look at them that way, but I always have the safety net to fall back on and say, 
you know what, you're right. Maybe that didn't work out very well, or maybe we are enabling some of these people. But you know what? I think it's the right decision. I think it's the right thing to do, whether it works out or not. And that's just the beauty. And that's a great story, that guy that that had some major life changes. I'm glad I didn't have to go through the same changes he did. But knowing that you're making decisions based on what is right or what you feel is right, you'll never, I don't think you'll ever go wrong. Mm -hmm. What would you say is your purpose now in life? Now that you've created this, you're leading a purposeful life. If you were to say your purpose in a few words, what would that be, do you think? I think providing an avenue for people to provide purpose for people that want to help kids. And in this mm -hmm. case, building beds for kids, that's no question my purpose. It's why I get up. It's why, it's why right now I'm frustrated as I'll get up because I can't do it. <laughs> but really, that's it. Because I could go out and build beds by myself. And, and I've thought about this a lot. I could go out and build beds by myself and deliver them and be satisfied. But where I'm finding my true joy is providing that avenue and seeing other people happy and excited to be involved and finding their own purpose. You know, you talk to anybody, I'm very much a people person party. I want everybody to come. I want everybody to be involved, no matter whether I like you or not. I just want everybody there to be involved because I'd like to see the joy in their faces when they realize and they get over that, that false sense of success. They get over, for the lack of a better term, they get over themselves. And they, I see the joy that comes from serving others in their eyes, in their face, in their language. Matt, I wish I got hundreds of stories of chapter presidents that were either, some, some of them were just fine. They were part of Habitat for Humanity or they were directors of other nonprofits. But they, they've said that sleep in heavenly peace for them has given them and brought them more satisfaction than anything they've ever done. And we're talking people that were pastors and, and preachers and that have fulfilled really good purposes in life. I think to, for me anyways, to see their joy, to provide that opportunity for them to make a decision and act on a moment in their life that will change them for the good. Yes, that's, that's me. And following on from that's you. If you, when you look at yourself in the mirror now, what do you say to yourself? Who, who do you see in that mirror right now? <laughs> that's a good question, Matt. I don't see the person I used to be. I don't see someone that's worried necessarily about what is my direction? Am I a good person? I don't see that anymore. I know who I am. I know I have the confidence in my purpose now that it is right and it is the right thing to do. And that is more satisfying than probably anything. I always, I'm a kind of a skeptical person anyways. I, I always want to do the best that I can possibly do. And I never satisfy that. <laughs> I'm always, I always know I can do better. So I struggle with that a little bit, but I do know now that I think I'm a good person and I think I know and I think I know what I'm doing and pursuing and helping is the right thing to do. When you look back at your background, how you grew up, the community you built before SHP, I think you were a scout leader, you said, 
head, very involved in coaching sports teams. You were a quarterback, I think, at college. What do you think about your past that's really helped contributed you to now leading this purpose-filled life? Yeah, no questions. I grew up in, in a church that values family. It values service. And I took that to heart. I, I, wanted to do, I wanted to do the right thing. I grew up in a single parent home. It was just my mom and five siblings. So we weren't rich by any means. We had to depend on each other. And it was my mom. Really, my brother was older. So he kind of was out of the picture by the time I, I got into my teens. So it was my, me and my three sisters. So I was raised by a bunch of girls. <laughs> so I was the best dressed kid in town. Let me tell you that. <laughs> I, I saw what people did for my family. I saw what people did for my mom. Bless her heart. She's, she's going straight to heaven for who she is and what she's been through. And I always felt what I want to be the person that helps that other people. We went through a period of life where people helped us when we needed it. Now it's time for me to give back. My church taught me that. My Probably more importantly, my mom and family taught me that. And it's just been ingrained in me. When building a career in sales and, and business ownership has really helped me as well. I think all of these things culminated in my life for me to establish SHP as it is now, a national and soon to be, well, somewhat international and soon to be global organization. That I think all of these things, the people I've met and the experiences that I've had have helped me and trained me to be able to uh, get this thing rolling. And, uh, and I'm super grateful. I wouldn't change one second of my life. Absolutely. So inspired to hear your story, to hear where you've come from and what's inspired you. Get into your mindset of how you made those tough decisions. And it's really paid off and, and it's inspired me and it will inspire others to take that leap of faith and act from good intentions. And there are millions billions even of people that want to you know live with purpose and they have that need and i just love that shp is not only helping kids but it's satisfying all these people that want to give and be of service so it's thank you luke for for mm -hmm. being for leading this movement where can people find out more about you shp and also if they know someone that needs a bed how can they go about that Absolutely. So our website, shpbeds.org, that's B-E-D-S, beds.org, has a wealth of information. You can go on there. You can apply for a bed for your own kids, maybe your neighbor's kids, your relatives. Anybody can go to our website and apply for a bed. If you want to help out and contribute, you can go and donate. And SHP is quite different than most nonprofits. And I love this this is when I started it, I said, you know what? I don't want to have a nonprofit that's just people donate. They have no idea where their money goes. They don't know what it goes to. Absolutely not. You can go in right now and you can donate money to whatever chapter that you want. Let's say you live in New Zealand and you got a sister that lives in Kansas City. You can donate money directly to the Kansas City chapter to help those kids specifically in that. And that's the way I want to create it. So people know exactly where their money goes. We need to be as a community, whether you're in Australia or United States or Germany or wherever, our communities need to learn to help each other and help their own self out. And SHP is built on 
the backbone of communities are helping themselves out. And so we will never change from that. Chapter presidents, if you've got someone in your own community that wants to start a chapter of SHP, you just need to go to shpbeds.org forward slash start hyphen a hyphen chapter, and you can learn how to become a chapter president, what it goes in entails, and then we can set those up. We're really just an avenue for anybody that's looking for a way to serve others and an avenue to provide purpose for their life. And we accept anybody that wants to take that challenge. Luke, thank you so much. We appreciate your time, your insight and your mission and just keep growing. And then hopefully we can spread the word of your amazing work. Thank you for having me, Matt. Appreciate it. Thank you. Speak soon. Hey, I hope hearing how Luke transitioned to a new meaningful career inspires you. You probably noticed I asked some questions about Luke's past and uncovered some of the values he's driven by. If you are lost and not finding meaning or passion in your work, perhaps you've come to the realization that chasing money is not making you happy like Luke and I did. By going through this process of connecting the dots in your own life, becoming more self-aware of what drives you, what gives you joy, you too can create a solid plan for finding a new career that lights you up inside. As a certified career transition coach and also a neuro-linguistic programming trainer, I can gently support you to communicate within, with your unconscious mind, so that whatever you decide to do reflects the real you. Whether that's to take a sabbatical or quit your job, change your work week, start a side business, communicate your concerns with your current employer, or spend time with your family more. Whatever it is, if you are not happy and feel stuck, I can definitely help you get moving on a path you want to be on. Check out my new 12-week career fulfillment program using International Coaching Federation certified tools proven over the last 14 years to help thousands of people find new careers that light them up inside. Go to burnfromwithin.com forward slash fulfilling career that's f-u-l-f-i-l-l-i-n-g career for more information until next time live with passion purpose and balance and burn from within